Hello and welcome to Hardcover Hose, a long-distance book club where two book lovers express their feelings on their book of the moment via podcast. I am one half of your host, Sam Dixon. And I am Sammy Skorstad. Together we have combed through book talk, combined our to-be-read list, and now we intend to make our way through them one book at a time. We'd love for you to come along with us and join the discussion. <laughs> the book of the moment for today's episode is The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. Just a forewarning for those of you listening, this is not a spoiler-free zone. We will be discussing this book in all of its glory, which of course includes revealing the ending. The author of The Atlas Six, Olivia Blake, is a lover and writer of stories, many of which involve the fantastic, the paranormal, or the supernatural, but not always. More often, her works revolve around what it means to be human, or not, and the endlessly interesting complexities of life and love. Olivia lives and works in Los Angeles, where she is generally tolerated by her rescue pit bull. Before we jump into discussing our own thoughts and feelings regarding the book, I'm going to go ahead and read through the blurb on the back of the book for the sake of contextualizing it. The Alexandrian Society, caretakers of the lost knowledge from the greatest civilizations of antiquity, are the foremost secret society of magical academicians in the world. Those who earn a place among the the Alexandrians will secure a life of wealth, power, and prestige beyond their wildest dreams. And each decade, only the six most uniquely talented magicians are selected to be considered for initiation. Enter the latest round of the six. Libby Rhodes and Nico de Verona, unwilling halves of an unfathomable whole who exert uncanny control over every element of physicality. Raina Mori, a naturalist who can intuit the language of life itself. Parisa Kamali, a telepath who can traverse the depths of the subconscious, navigating worlds inside the human mind. Callum Nova, an empath easily mistaken for a manipulative illusionist who can influence the intimate workings of a person's inner self. Finally, there is Tristan Kane, who can see through illusions to a new structure of reality, an ability so rare that neither he nor his peers can fully grasp its implications. When the candidates are recruited by the mysterious Atlas Blakely, they are told they will have one year to qualify for initiation, during which time they will be permitted preliminary access to the society's archives and judged based on their contributions to various subjects of impossibility, time and space, luck and thought, life and death. Five, they are told, will be initiated. One will be eliminated. The six potential initiates will fight to survive the next year of their lives, and if they can prove themselves to be the best among their rivals, most of them will. Most of them. Without further ado, let's get into it. <clears throat> okay, I have a bone to pick with you. I know. I already know what it is. I know you know what it is. <laughs> uh, I fucked up. <laughs> I think... I'm just going to literally have to block you on everything every time we both start uh, reading a book. Yeah. <laughs> because you have a tendency <laughs> to spoil. <laughs> yeah. And I know you don't mean it. I know there's no malicious intent behind it. Yeah. However. <laughs> that uh, being said. That yeah. being said, you did spoil for me that this is going to be a series, which honestly turned me off. Not you spoiling it turned me off, but... uh. I just, for once, want a Dark Academia standalone. Yeah. I know I, because I was getting, when I texted you that, I was getting like 50 pages to the end. And I'm like, how is it going to wrap up? (laughs) How is she going to wrap this up? Yeah. Because it is getting bigger and bigger. How is she going to wrap this up? Yeah. And how is she going to wrap it up in a satisfying way? So I Googled it. I was like, it, like Atlas 6, book 2. And it's called The Atlas Paradox, yeah. which is coming out sometime in 2022. And then I read a little more. And she's, it's going to be a trilogy. And <laughs> she, I know, <laughs> sheds a tear. Um, she's writing the second and third books at the same time. So there will be a shorter wait period between the second and third. I just get so frustrated when I start something that I don't know is going to be a series. I guess yeah. that's the thing about going into books blind, too. Yeah. Because now, because the thing is, is I spoiled it for myself with Ninth House that it's a series because I went to log it on Goodreads and it says Alex Stern book one. And I was like, huh? Fuck. <laughs> what do you mean book one? So that's why this, like now when we've been starting books, I don't, I mean, I knew it happened one summer is going to have a second one, right? Uh, yeah, but with like different characters. Yeah. But so I haven't been going on Goodreads right away when I start a book now because I don't want to like spoil it. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I also felt like it was very obviously heading that direction once I was close to the end because I was like, yeah, 
There's, yeah. Now I'm confused again, and that means <laughs> yeah, nothing's going to get wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, in other news, yeah, I will be blocking you when we're okay, reading the that's same fair. book. <laughs> I deserve that. I deserve that. Uh, it did make me read the book differently. Yeah. In that I was like, oh, uh, well... So I really am just going to be confused the whole time, aren't I? <laughs> yes. I know. I honestly, I I wish that it was a standalone. Me too. And I wish it were just like if she had to do 700 pages. I wish yeah. it was just a standalone. Mm-hmm. And because um, I think Dark Academia, like, I just feel like the finality of a one book for a story just like fits with Dark Academia. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But I like, totally agree. Yeah. Uh, what, okay. what were your first impressions? So I was intrigued right off the bat. Um, I did think it would go a little more into the actual, like, like idea of the Alexandria Library, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be quite as Hunger Games-esque, I guess. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be a little more heavy on the... Um, you know, like learning about the society and learning about, you know, the history of, I think I would have appreciated the history of the society and like how exactly it came to be and some of the stories within that. Because I think that has a lot of potential for like some really cool I'm plot. willing to venture that it'll, that we'll get more information yeah. in the next one. But sense. I agree with you. I think I had a, not a hard time getting through the book mm-hmm. in in like the traditional sense like I found it very engaging I was very much like uh, the pacing was good mm-hmm. for me even though it would skip ahead like a few months it wasn't like a thing it wasn't a, a bad thing for me I was like okay no the pacing is good I'm constantly interested right. the reason I had a hard time with it I think is because it's exactly the same as Ninth House and Six of Crows and, sp- and sprinkle in some Sherlock Holmes like if, if you I was literally like, I feel like I've read this before. I haven't read either of those. I know. And that's why I was so. like, I feel like Sammy's really going to like this. Because <laughs> she yeah. hasn't read Ninth House or Six of Crows. It's not like exactly the same, right? But mm-hmm. Ninth House is Secret Society, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And there's magic. And certain people can do certain things, right? And there's the secrets of the society being all cultish and stuff, right? Right. And then there's a reveal at the end, very similar to Atlas Six's reveal. Uh, and it felt like Six of Crows in the sense that there were six people who can all do things mm-hmm. that are a little bit different. They all have a specialty uh, that makes them all interesting and they have to figure out how to work together in a sense, right? Yeah. I was very much... And then, like, throw in a little Sherlock Holmes. Everything Parissa could do, it literally felt like I was watching BBC Sherlock when she was going into Dalton's head. Yeah. I was like, yep, the Mind Palace. I'm there with you. And also, Olivia Blake makes a reference to Sherlock, like, three times in the book. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, there's a clear indication for me (laughs) where that's coming from. (laughs) I'm not just picking that up. Someone has watched Sherlock BBC. I know. Um. I was like, someone's watched BBC Sherlock and read Leigh Bardugo's books. (laughs) I was like, hmm. Uh, but I thought it was good. Like, I didn't I, – all that aside, I enjoyed, like, the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you I... asked me this in the middle when I was reading, like, if I had a favorite right. character. I'm going to put it out there. I only really liked one of the characters, and all the others I found kind of unlikable. Okay. Who did you like? Um, I don't know if it's just, like, the white girl in me, mm-hmm. but I kind of liked Tristan. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I would have thought you liked Parissa. No, I I did. Like, I appreciated her, like, badass-esque, yeah. but, like, she... I don't know, also, this might just be the Western-ness, Western world influence on me but like the way she used I didn't like how what she did with Libby and Tristan yeah I didn't like that either that that kind of turned me off of like Mm -hmm. she the way she it's like it's one thing for her to use sex as a tool and like as like a manipulator of sorts like 
mm-hmm. for her, like for herself and for, you know, when she's involved, but the way she was able to do it. And I, I mean, I get like there must like there, there was already something there that she had to manipulate. But the fact that she kind of she put them in that situation and there were allusions to the idea that she was able to plant thoughts and change thoughts, mm-hmm. maybe. And so the fact that she like kind of forced them into that, I did not like. I feel that. I very predictably liked Libby. Really? Okay. Yes, because she was the underdog. Not in the sense that she's the least powerful, because she's She's... arguably the most powerful. Right. But just everybody thought she was annoying because she wanted to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I think I just related to that a little too much. I think (laughs) I, I sort of related to Tristan's, like everything sucks everyone sucks (laughs) um i have an existential crisis every fucking day type thing yeah like what is the world what are like the idea of like what is reality i really enjoyed when it was his perspective and he was trying to piece apart like how he experiences reality you know Mm -hmm. so it's like the way he, he like pieces apart and like the way he can look at reality but he doesn't feel like he's like experiencing reality Right. In a sense. And I thought, so like, I think I just like, I got excited when it was Tristan's perspective. Maybe that's why I think it was my favorite character because I was most intrigued by his abilities and by um, how he was kind of observing it and how it was like making him feel crazy. Yeah. I was, so I enjoyed reading his perspective the most, I think. Uh, Can we agree that Callum's Pov was arguably the least interesting yes Uh, like every time it was Callum I was like these are just big paragraphs yeah (laughs) I know and in the beginning too I was like oh okay Callum's gonna be the one I like because he was all cocky and you know the the dark haired you know isn't he blonde isn't he supposed to be I don't know I saw one of the pictures and I was like okay I'm in Okay. Good. Yeah. Good. I'm in. Uh, but then immediately turned off by everything he did the rest of the book. So he's what? Like I found it really interesting that he was being written as like. I think there was a huge part of this book was too much of anything is like your downfall. I guess mm-hmm. like too much power, too much that. And I think with Callum, it was like t- the fact that he was like an empath. Too mm-hmm. much empathy turned him off from like emotion and like he wasn't able like how people today may describe themselves as an empath like he had gone so far beyond that he was acting like a psychopath yeah you're right that's a really good point yeah so I think yeah so I think it was like I and I also kind of appreciated that it tackled the idea of like the mental powers Mm mm-hmm being the most powerful like so nico and you know libby and libby and um the other girl reina reina yes um you know how they have like these physical powers and like reina is obviously like this battery of just like charged like she has all this power that she can put outwards you know Mm -hmm. but they're obviously very physically powerful and they mention that a lot in the book but the most, like, volatile and dangerous and, like, threatening, I think, was Parissa and Callum because yeah. of how they can, mani- like, manipulate thoughts. And they said a lot throughout the book. Like, once you put – once there is a thought or once you put a thought in someone's head, there's no going back. And mm-hmm. that's the most dangerous thing. And I – so I, I really appreciated the aspect of, like, the mental was – outweighed the physical sort of Mm -hmm. I think that's fair I definitely thought that they were all interesting characters Mm -hmm. I think it was evident that we were supposed to see more of some characters than others Mm -hmm. like Raina we basically learned nothing about her right I I couldn't I almost can't remember every any chapter that involved her pov you know what I mean right right um so I think that's kind of setting us up for the second book in a lot of ways, too, because we saw a lot of Libby. I'm pretty sure the book almost starts with Libby 
It does. Right? Yeah. We saw a lot of Libby. So when it came towards the end and one of them's going to die, right? I was like, the whole Tristan or Callum thing seems a little too obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was kind of thinking it was going to be Nico then because I was like, I don't know, right? Libby's more yeah. powerful. So. But is she though? Because Nico is like learning other abilities. I, I think Nico's willing to push it. But I think Libby's thing is she doesn't have to push it. She can just do it. I think Libby, she she does very much have the, uh, I don't know, like, she has the lack of, like, belief in herself to an extent. Like, mm-hmm. she does, mm-hmm. she's very proud in, like, I think Nico had said it during some of his um, chapters, like, the only time Libby doesn't, like, stand down or, like, isn't, like, shying away is when she's proving her powers. Like, yeah. she has something to prove in that sense. But given, like, everything else, it was just, like, she does have that personality. And, like, Callum had addressed it a couple times, too, of, like, oh, she's not going to be an issue because she's never going to realize yeah the potential of her power. Right. And I think, to me, that just made me like her more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I'm just, maybe I'm just, I like the insecure ones who are, like, mm-hmm. more powerful than they're willing to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you share the same feeling I do, but I wish they would have called the book something else. Because the whole time I was like, well, obviously this Atlas guy is going to be a problem. Yes. Because it's called I... the Atlas Six, right? <laughs> yes. I... I'm going to be totally honest with you. I did not piece that together until later. I was like, oh, that makes sense why it's called the Atlas Six. Like, they're clearly not for this, this society. They're for Atlas. And, uh, uh, I mean, okay, so then Atlas, I didn't like. And then all the stuff with Atlas and Dalton. And, like, Dalton having this, he was afraid of something the whole time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm kind of interested to see so like is he what did you think about Dalton and his because then it was the one who talked to Reyna um, who was like oh I'm surprised Dalton stayed like he would have been yeah. the first one to leave yeah, and go make money or whatever or power yeah. or whatever but why what do you I because like Parissa obviously saw something like that he's locked away in some sense mm-hmm. and then at the end of the book we got the whole thing like he was the only one who could have made that animation mm-hmm. how are they going to play with that I like Dalton I don't know if I'm being naive um, I like Dalton as well I, I feel like he's a victim he's, <laughs> I think yes I think he's stuck mm-hmm. I think that Atlas presented this you know his plan in the same way that him and Ezra talked about which we'll get to Ezra in a second but Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, Dalton was presented with this plan that Atlas has and in a sense felt like he couldn't say no Mm -hmm. for one reason or another because I remember Dalton's telling Parissa like I was the one they were gonna kill but Atlas eliminate what Atlas didn't want that Right, but Atlas didn't want that. So I think because Dalton was, like, kind of young and naive, perhaps at the time, mm-hmm. he, like, agreed to stay. But I think now he's realized a little bit, like, this is kind of fucked up, maybe. But he's still curious enough because he knows if he tries to leave, they're going to kill him. Like, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't leave. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe Atlas did present Dalton with the plan and he said no. And then Atlas was somehow able to trap Dalton, like or like a big part of Dalton within his own subconscious. Because that is a great point. Yeah, because Parissa, oh, like Atlas, was guarding very much guarding that Dalton locked away in mm-hmm. the head and kept pulling Parissa out and was like, "You don't want to go there." Mm. And so I think. Because I do think Dalton is going to be a quote-unquote good guy. Yeah. Um, Shit. You have a great point because Atlas is a telepath too. Yeah. And he was in his brain as well. And looks so, like I think – yeah, I think that he did something to lock away some of Dalton to keep him there. Mm-hmm. Whatever he had to do, whatever aspect of Dalton was like the more powerful. But then I also think – Okay, so now, okay, things are coming together in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then obviously we know that Gideon's mom, the mermaid yeah. one, um, there's a lot going on with like dreams and subconscious. They mentioned okay. a lot, like the different planes and subconscious, like kind of being one of them. And she, we know that Ezra used her for the animation, like to yeah. access mm-hmm. the animation. So I think somehow she was able to get into, um, you still be able to use um, Dalton, Dalton, but his the subconscious within him. So it wasn't actual Dalton, like not physical yeah, Dalton, yeah. but the Dalton in in his brain to do that. Mm. Because he said he was like, "I'm the only one who could have done that." Right, right. Interesting. I did not think about that, but you're right. I was thinking there was something going on with like Dalton being possessed, but at that point we didn't have enough info for me to like make any right. guesses. Um, the thing with Ezra, yeah, being like a core piece, I was kind of feeling weird about the fact that, like, from the fact that it was kind of weird that Libby had a boyfriend and that was like staying a thing when she went into the Mm -hmm. society because, like. Tristan broke up with his fiance, right? Like, right. <laughs> I was like, hmm, interesting. But mm-hmm. for why? And also the fact that, like, I was confused that I thought it was going to be rivals to lovers with Nico. And I did too. I was so, I was like, oh, immediately I'm interested. I'm in. Right. Academic rivals to lovers. Yes. So Everything. now I want to know what, it, like, Nico's like in love with Gideon or whatever, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm confused why he hated Ezra so much if it wasn't jealousy. I think it was jealousy because I do think there's, but not romantic jealousy. Mm. I think there's also going to be something to said about how, like they said too, throughout the book, it was like, they're a pair, Nico Mm -hmm. and Libby. And I think in that sense Nico would be jealous of whoever Libby was with but like it would be he wouldn't be able to truly identify why he would be jealous okay or why he would be unsettled by Libby having another partner and like I like not to say that they he wants to be with her but I think there is like they're going to have some sort of pairing like they have some sort of connection Where it's, like, if she's close to anyone else, he's just going to have, like, a natural bubbling of, like, they're not good enough. Or they're Mm -hmm. not enough. Or that's not right. And because, I like, there was something about, like, at the end when Libby was taken, how I think Tristan said something of, like, it looked like a twin. Or, like, he had lost his own, one of his own organs. Yeah. Like, there's clearly something about how they are. Oh, and then Ezra said at some like in the end too that they were mutants. Yeah, full blown mutants. So there's gonna be something about how they are like really twisted together and intertwined in some mm-hmm. way. And I think in that sense, like it won't be romantic jealousy of any kind. But he does have this weird. I don't want to say like own like they have this weird like ownership over each other. Mm-hmm. Where any other close person in their lives might be questioned. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm with you there. What did yeah. you think about the artwork in the book? I kind of liked it. I it loved seemed, it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I liked it. Speaking of artwork, can we talk about the cover and just like the book itself? The art of the book? Yes. I, I told you this when we were, uh, before I started it. The other day that if I had like a type, like a book type, Mm -hmm. this is like my book type. I love a matte black cover. I love like the thick pages Mm -hmm. that are like really stiff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I like all of that. Your copy was a little fucked up. Unfortunately, mine was printed crooked on every page. (laughs) Which is super ironic because right after you told me that I was still reading a different book. And mine, my other book I was reading was printed upside down in the middle of the book. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, not quite sure what's going on with this whole book printing shortage issue that's going on uh-huh. in the publishing world, but I'm seeing its effects. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about 
the aesthetics of the book was uh, that the margins were not justified. Yeah. I hated that. I fucking hate unjustified <laughs> margins. Mm-hmm. Like, don't just give me the right align hanging paragraphs. Oh, it's so ugly. Yeah. You took the most beautiful, like, aesthetically pleasing book and you made it ugly. So that's fair. It really, it really ruined it a little bit for me. There was one chapter that ended with one word yes. on the next yes. page. I remember. I think mm-hmm. it said wait. Yes. was the last word. And I was like, you really printed an entire page for one word. Yeah. You couldn't you, edit it. You know so what would have happened if they had it justified? It wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. It was driving me nuts. Um, but I, I really liked the artwork. Usually, like, if you put things in between chapters, it kind of takes me out of the story. Mm-hmm. But I really liked the idea of being able to see what the characters looked like. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes descriptions don't really cut it for me, you know? Like I look up, like, fan art usually to, <laughs> yeah. like, be like, wait, how? what are they supposed to look like? Yeah. And usually I try not to do that until the end because then you, of course, get spoiled by somebody right. shipping somebody together, right? Right. Um, but I really liked being able to see, especially because Olivia Blake made that decision. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that is what she thinks those characters look like in her head, True. too. It's not like how we interpreted it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I thought that was really cool. I also really thought the artwork was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that they only placed it like between parts of the book. And it wasn't every like chapter like they, yeah. they didn't overdo it. Yeah, exactly. Before we move on to discuss the rest of the Atlas six, let's listen to a quick word about the brand sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil starring Elizabeth Moss. FX is The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. All right, moving forward, um, let's talk about sex. Okay. I... Don't know how you felt about the romance in the novel, but I was I, confused by a lot of it. It took me so far out of the story every time something was happening. I was like, it felt like forced proximity romance. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, 100% and, was. And like in the beginning when Parissa and Tristan hook up, I was like, okay, that's funny, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. But then it was like everybody's in love with everybody. And I was like, all right, this is a little... Okay, but consider this. <laughs> yeah. You're locked in. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay. But and like, they're all like they're all like young adults. <laughs> yeah. So it's realistic in that sense. I think it like what are the odds that like I would fucking I would fall in love with someone or not even fall in love with someone. I would just be very much attracted to someone if like especially with I think it's very likely that I um would be tempted in that sense like okay disregarding the fact that I'm in like just if I was put in this odd situation mm-hmm. I would be tempted uh, and like I get that I just think it was a little too much like it was like uh Tristan's with Parissa and then Tristan's, Tristan's with, with Libby Callum? and then Tristan's is- with Callum like yeah. I was like all right there's a little this is a bit much did they I have would- sex I don't know. I, I think it was kind of alluded to the time that, like, Tristan went into Callum's room. Right. And he said at one point, like, I don't know if I'm in love with Callum. Or, yeah. Or yeah. who I'm in love with or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, all right, dude, just pick. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, maybe it's because I don't like love triangle triangles, you know? Mm-hmm. This is like a love fucking square. There was too many things going on, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It was, it was a love pentagon. There were too many things happening. I liked the, I, the only things like romance wise that I did like where I did like Parissa and Dalton because I I feel like there's something more there than just Mm -hmm. like Parissa needing to try to get ahead you know right uh and I did like I know like it was really forced in every way when Libby and Tristan got together but I liked their like attraction before that happened if that makes sense they yes I also I like the idea of, like, because she obviously has this, like, physical power. And 
<clears throat> they have a very good academic relationship too, in the mm-hmm. sense where like they were bouncing ideas off each other and going to each other. Like, okay, so I think it was obvious Nico and Reina, like they had a power relationship in mm-hmm. the sense where he discovered she was like a battery and Libby discovered, which was all Atlas's plan. Now that I'm like, yeah. it was the whole plan was that they were going to be able to put all of their powers together and be this like unstoppable. Which weapon. is why Parissa and Tristan, or sorry, Parissa and Callum were like the odd ones out in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. But so um, I thought I liked that companionship in that sense um, with Tristan and Libby of like bringing ideas to each other and. I also liked that he saw her potential and her, not even her potential, but like the raw power and intellect she had right off the bat. And he was like, she's not to be fucked with. Like, she's amazing. Yeah. I, the only thing about like their little situationship was just like, he was just a dick to her though, in a lot of ways. Like, I know towards the end, he started kind of defending her. Right. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. it, to me, if if you have a respect for somebody, you'll defend them. Mm-hmm. Also, since we're right off of um, Taylor Swift's red version, uh, yeah. or red Taylor's version, um, yeah. how old is Tristan supposed to be? Because Libby's supposed to be like 21, 22. She just graduated from college. I don't know. I didn't get it. Because they know. were all treating them like kids, like Libby and right. Nico like kids. And right. I didn't like that because it was annoying. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, but that's a good point because also it also made me real, like, I know we've already briefly discussed the thing with like Parissa kind of forcing the hands of Libby and Tristan. Right. Literally. Um, Mm. (laughs) But I didn't like, like Parissa's literal role in it. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? To me that felt, it felt icky. Like, Oh, hundred percent. Like it just, uh, that wasn't Libby's real decision. She obviously was interested in Tristan, but like, I, I don't know. It just felt icky. I was like, I... Mm, it's... Okay, mm. I think it, it's kind of like presenting the idea of sexual assault by someone outside of the direct... Like, Yeah. Yeah, it was like someone else... Yeah. ...was the sexual assaulter, but they didn't necessarily partake in the sex. Right. It was... Yeah, it was weird. It was the invisible hand, the invisible... Um, sexual assault hand in that and it was very much like a I don't know but and that was a thing too that I I also didn't like about the only thing I probably didn't like about Libby was that like she did even though her and Ezra had a fight like she did still have a boyfriend Mm -hmm. and then she's back for like 10 minutes and she's having a threesome like (laughs) whoa dude (laughs) zero Mm -hmm. to 100 in like two minutes um yeah I guess that brings us to Ezra Mm -hmm. right Mm mm-hmm um he was a little sneaky guy oh sneaky sneak very sneaky sneak i thought that the second like tristan was trying to like fuck with space-time continuum right mm-hmm. uh and saw ezra i was right. like hmm. all right yep. well um uh, there's something happening mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not sure what it is but there's something happening also the insistence on nico's part that um, that Ezra was unremarkable. Yeah. Like, it just seems like, <clears throat> it might be, I don't know, like, the way that he was so convinced that Ezra was unremarkable. And was also, like, <clears throat> like, we kept seeing, every time he was saying that, Libby was trying to say, you don't even get it. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And now, we know. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know? But Libby didn't even know. No, but I think to some extent she did because she really was trying to say like he's like you don't know anything about him. You don't know that he's not like this. Like that right. you don't know what his power does. You know, but like she didn't though. Yeah, I, but I think she probably like, had to some extent some... they they she knew a little. But I think she that's what had... we weren't knowing. Yeah, because I remember think... she she felt him before he appeared when mm-hmm. he came to take her. Right. So and she knew what his power felt like. She knew what his, because she could feel like vibrations and, and like feel other people in the physical sense. She recognized his form, I think. Right. 
And so I think in that sense, but like I, I do think Ezra probably did a really good job of hiding everything about himself, essentially. Mm-hmm. I am interested to see where the next book is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole plot twist of like Atlas being kind of psycho, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to create a band of <laughs> of people. Yeah. It, that that's it, like it really did feel a lot like Six of Crows in that sense, like picking the people who best suit different mm-hmm. uh, specialties. It's interesting because right off the bat, like one of the first sections, it was weapons was was the type. It was the first section was mm-hmm. weapons, and that's when they introduced all the people. Mm-hmm. so there was no hiding like it was yeah it just came together at the end but like they were initially labeled as weapons right well for me it was like why aren't they called why isn't it called the alexandria six yeah why is it the because the second we were introduced to atlas i was like oh mm-hmm. and then when we like got to the the actual society and they were like he's the current caretaker i was like okay mm-hmm. so why is it not <laughs> why are they his six and not the society's six or whatever you know yeah um i'm i think i'm i was interested too to see more of young atlas for that brief moment at the end mm-hmm. uh I, I i'm just interested i'm i think like the ending left me more confused than yeah. anything Right, and then the middle was like, I kind of get it, but I also don't get it. Mm-hmm. Then there was the reveal, and then it was like, here, you're confused again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, Which I think the- is the point of the first book of a series. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, it needs you to come back for more. Right. Um, and I, what, okay, I wanted to start a, a, a conversation oh. um, about some of the, the themes Okay. And the, some topics. She's academic. <laughs> I know, right? Well, no, it was like, because I thought Olivia Blake really brought up a lot of um, current issues okay. in society. You know, okay, so we've got a lot of commentary on capitalism, classism, elitism, mm-hmm. um, politicians, the idea of power and abusing power and mm-hmm. a lot of those things. And then with Ezra, it was also about... Um, you know, introduced the idea of, like, the carbon, like, it was, like, the carbon cri- crisis or something that he said, like, the year he was born, like, the world was about to end, essentially, because oh, of mm-hmm. climate change. Um, so we've got a lot of that stuff going on and how people with these certain access to power and stuff and, like, I don't know, just some of those discussions and like they did address capitalism a lot. They did address um, also one thing. I Oh, this is one thing I really appreciated. They addressed the misdiagnoses of the the median. Did you how did you pronounce it? Median median uh, powers? I don't know. I think I was saying median in my head. I think I was saying median in my head, too. But they um, I think it was during Callum's POV or they were talking Callum was talking or something about how they diagnose empaths and how mm-hmm. they have oh, mm-hmm. and they misdiagnose because of like how it presents in women and stuff and it's like it's much more nurturing aspect of it and then with men it's like seen more of a manipulative tool mm-hmm. I think or how they end up becoming dictators or mm-hmm. um, and just in general like because I've been learning a lot about just the corruption of public health, global health, and how yeah. fucked up it is. Mm-hmm. And so, and like how things go misdiagnosed because of how in a lot, there is a huge disparity in misdiagnoses between men and women because of how society as a whole and the people who are trained to diagnose are taught to see things and mm-hmm. are taught to believe things. Um, so I don't, I, I was like, I kept reading and I was like, oh, okay, I, I appreciate this discussion or like I've been thinking about this in society too and the way she kind of brought that into the story. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely love when authors are able to take real life things mm-hmm. and fictionalize them in a sense to fit their story, but in a way where it makes it, – it's like an analogy in a way that you understand it. 
mm-hmm. on a different level. And then you're like, oh, shit, wait, <laughs> that's right. how that works. Like, I, I think a, a prime example of what you're saying, too, with like the empath um, diagnoses in men and women mm-hmm. is very similar to like how doctors regard ADHD in men and women, mm-hmm. right? Autism, like, too. They, autism, like, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it's it's more clear in how young boys behave rather than how young girls behave. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. They there's a there's a very large bias around Mm -hmm. how uh, I'll call them symptoms, but traits how traits present themselves. Um, and I I think that's I I did also I thought that was really interesting in right. I think we're going to see more. Sorry, my brain went pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> full stop in the middle of the sentence. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see more of Callum. Because I'm not going to lie, I was kind of hoping he was going to be the one who died. I was right? too. It was, I, I think we were, she wanted us to want him to die. Right. So I reckon that in the, the next book, because also he never liked Libby. You know, mm-hmm. so I reckon in the next book, probably he's going to have some epiphany or some shit, right? Where suddenly he likes Libby or whatever. Or he suddenly starts caring about something. Ah, good point. Good he point. He doesn't care because like at this point he isn't, I think the first shift is he's going to have to start caring about what's happening. Yeah. Because he doesn't really give a shit. He's just yeah. kind of like, eh, this is my best option for right now. So like, whatever. Yeah. I also think we're going to hear more about everybody's backstories a little bit because we got some of Nico's, right? Mm-hmm. And we got um, some of Libby's. Some of Libby's and Parissa. Parissa, but only like at scratching the surface of Parissa, I feel. Right. Um, but I reckon we're going to hear more like about Tristan's dad. Mm-hmm. They just kept bringing him up a lot. And I was like, mm. hmm. I think, what are the odds he is on Ezra's team? Tristan's dad? Yeah. Mm. Because he's like a powerful witch who has a lot of connections. Yeah. I think Ezra might outsource. If, if he's not one of the six. But he's not, right? We don't know who's on that team. But it's, it's, isn't it? Wait. You're right. <laughs> you're right. I was confused. I was confused. Yeah, you're right. Because I think I got not... confused at the end. I, I think the whole ending was confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're hearing this discussion between Atlas and Ezra, right? About how Atlas has found like a perfect group. And right. He, he needs them to kill one of themselves. And then he needs Ezra to kill one of them so that Ezra can be on the team. Mm-hmm. So it can be Atlas, Dalton, Ezra and then form three more. Well, I'm talking about how Ezra's like he wants to take down Atlas now and so he right. started his own separate team. Right. Him and Libby and uh Well, not even Libby. Libby's just locked away right well, now. Well, but she's she's going to this yeah. is this is foreseen that she will yeah. be uh and I reckon because then we also saw that, you know, right, uh Ezra uses Gideon's mom Mm-hmm. So also Gideon is going to want to get Nico into safety. So that's adding another one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think I think Tristan's dad has a lot of pull in the underbelly of whatever their culture is, right? Right. Um, I, I reckon you could be onto something there. What about Callum's background? I really don't remember anything about Callum. Except for his mom didn't actually love him. And so she he made right. her love. Yeah. yeah. I right, think that's right. kind of it. Also, the fact that I I I liked the initial when they were like all being introduced, and it was um, and Tristan. Well, it was after they were introduced. It was Tristan was like, "I see through illusions," pretty much, mm-hmm. and then Callum was like, "Oh, okay." And then Tristan's like, "I won't tell if you won't tell." <gasps> oh yeah, I forgot about that. I liked that. <laughs> oh shit! Because then it was like, "Oh, Callum has maybe he's ugly." I don't oh. know why. Maybe that. No, that's what. Um, and then when they were talking later, Tristan was like, "I don't know what the others see, but I see like a large forehead, and there's some glimmer around his nose, and he has a very square jaw, and all that stuff." So like he he definitely glamorizes or 
illusions himself to look a certain way. Mm. Or maybe, like, I know what you're saying. So maybe he's somebody else. You know what I mean? And he's changed his identity. I I don't think so. I think it's more so he um, he works the way he works in there. Like it's it's like a beauty company essentially. That's his job, and so mm-hmm. he's always tried to look more beautiful than what he is too. You know what? Also, that just tied me back again to Six of Crows and that in the Grishaverse because they have people who can uh, they call it tailoring. They, like, can change the features on somebody's face and stuff like that. Or Uh make things look different, like an illusion. I'm just saying, there were way too many ties (laughs) to Um, Leigh Bardugo's books for this to feel like uh, a coincidence to me. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I wouldn't know, but it's fine. Um, (laughs) I'll I'll read them eventually. Um, What? Okay. Also. I yeah. just remembered to look this up. So I just looked this up. Oh. The last, so when at, or um, mm-hmm. okay, just reading a passage. Okay, Ezra, his team that he put together is the one name we got from his new team was Nothazai. Mm-hmm. And he's the member of the forum that met with, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yes. I was like, why do I recognize that name? Yeah. So I finally looked it up and I was like, oh, okay, that's the one who, um, met with um, Reyna. Okay. Um, so we know the forum is now being involved. Right. Uh, I reckon we're going to learn more about this forum, too. I think so, too. Um, I have questions. I have so many questions. Um, one other thing I've wanted yeah. to bring up. So on page 214. Yeah. They talk about a bit about the powers and influence of the society, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, it's when Nothasai is talking to Reyna about like the corruption of the society and how they limit the influence, or like they're like they could be solving everything pretty much, they could be preventing things, they could be whereas like they're causing things, all this stuff. And I thought that was a huge allusion to the idea of God in itself. Um, how the I so a lot of people they or uh, atheists present the idea of God of okay, if he's omnipotent, then he could be um, he could be preventing all of these disasters from happening. Mm-hmm. And if he is not preventing them, he's either not omnipotent. Or he's cruel. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing they talked about in the Atlas 6 of um, there was a passage. Okay. I blame the society, Nothazai clarified. Because if it is not its job to cause such atrocities, then why not undertake the effort to prevent them? Inevitably, it must stand to gain. Mm -hmm. So it's like if they're not causing things... Then, or if they're not preventing things, then they must be causing things. And then that, then at that point, you have to consider if this society is go- like good or bad in that sense. That's an interesting thing that you brought up too, because like when Atlas is talking to Ezra at the end of the book, he's kind of like, "We'll just make a new world." Right. So that that's kind of like along the same lines. Well, yeah, they like he outright said, "Like we'll be gods. We're gonna yeah. be the gods." Yeah. And it is, so, like, the society, in a sense, it's, like, has the potential to prevent a lot of suffering and stuff. And it's, like, if they're not preventing it, are they causing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then even, like, Reyna said something at one point about how her, like, being, the idea of being complicit and the idea about not changing certain things is, like, is she guilty by way of complacency? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So it's like, I think there were so many interesting topics brought up in this book. Yeah. And it tackles the idea of this all knowing power and what is the responsibility of that power if they are not agents of positive change, then are they to blame for a lot of evils and stuff? And, um, and I really think that is a huge point point to the idea of God. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Um, shall we get to our favorite line of the book? Yes. You can go first. Okay, so mine was right in the beginning, actually. Interesting. Me too. Okay. <laughs> what was yours? I didn't write down the page number, unfortunately, but it was... Um, I just wrote down. It was like, we have always been a species highly susceptible to the call of the unknown mm-hmm. or something. Um, it was a longer line, and now I'm pissed at myself for not Was it the one about down. knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. I, that was my second. Okay. What was your first? My first was a really simple one. It was in Parissa, I think, first chapter. Mm-hmm. And it just says, uh, really, there is nothing more dangerous with a woman than a woman who knew her own worth. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep. That's when I thought I was really going to like Parissa. <laughs> there was also a one where it was um, Parissa talking. I don't know if it was her chapter or not. Um, uh, was your knowledge one? Uh, because the problem with knowledge, Miss Rhodes, is it... Sorry, I have, I have a dark sticky tab over it. Uh-huh. Uh, it is inexhaustible. It is an inexhaustible craving. The more of it you have, the less you feel you know an atlas said atlas thus men often go mad in search of it or something no it was the other one it was another one that said like we've always been a species highly susceptible to the call of the blank the something unknown i think it was literally within like the first couple of pages oh oh like oh yeah i know what you mean the haunted okay he had never seen a woman's eyes shine so dully and still remain so bright the haunted look in them heightened her beauty in his mind she had never been so lovely so broken she made devastation look like riches, like jewels. So this one, this was when Callum was in, or Callum was killing Parissa. Mm-hmm. And I think that just really goes to show, like, how fucked up Callum is. Like, yeah. he was entranced and, like, in love with the sight of seeing Parissa so broken. Yeah. And that was, like, ooh, icky, icky vibes. Big icky. I did not like that scene, also. That was that was the I, point I know, but <laughs> yeah, she was so smart. That was major girl boss vibes Dude. from her. The, the thing is, knew... it was big distrust. <laughs> yeah, she knew though she had to sacrifice some of her own, like her herself. Like she had to sacrifice a huge part of like her own privacy. She had to let other people see her in this super vulnerable state and like know all of these secrets of her. In order to get them to hate Callum. Right. And that was in insane. Yeah. I, oh, ooh, ooh, here was another thing that Olivia brought up that I was like, that's so good. Like, the idea of just beliefs and the things we're taught to believe at a young age shuts us off from seeing things as maybe they actually are mm-hmm. later on because – um He had learned shapes as a child, so naturally he looked for them now. To stare into the familiar and somehow expect to see something new felt so frustrating as to be thoroughly impossible. Yes, Tristan could see things other people could not, but he didn't believe his own eyes when he saw them. A child told habitually of his worthlessness was now a man bereft of fantasy, Mm -hmm. lacking the inventiveness to lend him a broader scope. Ironically, it was his own nature that crippled him most. Yeah. Um, I did like Tristan. Yeah, I yeah. I did like that. There was also there was another part too where Atlas was saying something about how um, men, something about men, and when man comes to knowledge and like only ever wants more of it. And Parissa was like, "And what about women?" Mm-hmm. And it was like women like maybe wouldn't be so de- destructive with the um, with power as men are. Yeah, I wrote a paper on that once, <laughs> and. My, I mean, I'm sure my humanities professor was like, okay, this fucking feminist, whatever. But I was like, <laughs> the whole idea was like, the, the, like, oh, it was the world of man versus God. It was, I don't know, some weird thing, but it was just, it was essentially the same idea of like, when men are in power, things get violent and destructive. Mm-hmm. And so should men be put in, like, should we be taking, power away or somehow like that and I was like women have never had a chance like we have never seen a society ruled by women like we have no way of knowing if that would look different in any way New Zealand yeah but still operating under a broader scale of the patriarchy 
Yes, but we're saying we can see the the effects of having a woman primarily in charge. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Okay. Any okay. further thoughts before we rate? Um. I I just want final final thoughts in general. Was I I do think this would have been a really good standalone. Agree. I really appreciate. I mean, this is a dark academia book, and in that sense, it was very pretentious. But <laughs> yeah. I loved, I loved the shit out of that. Like, I really appreciated because it, it, like, it did bring in a lot of interesting topics of discussion. I think, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I, I just I felt a lot. Like, there is a time and a place for each type of book and I love reading those romances and stuff where I can just thoroughly enjoy them but this one like really made me think mm-hmm. and I think I was I was making connections to things I've been learning about in school and I was making connections to other books and like other like current events and stuff like that and I my brain was very overactive reading this and I appreciated that that is a fair um sentiment Yes. Uh, it appears we've reached the part of the episode where the two of us come up with a final overall rating for the book. Ratings are set to a five-star scale and will be averaged out between the both of us at the end. Sammy, what do you rate it? I'm going with a 4.5. Okay. Wow. I enjoyed it. I, wow. I know. I, I have high hopes for the next book. Mm-hmm. If it sucks, then that will suck in general. But I think... <laughs> I'm intrigued still. I think I'm, I also think I'm kind of disregarding the ending because I feel like the ending was just like puts some stuff together to make it so that there could be another book. Here's a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that like the ending kind of frustrated me of like learning all of these things right at the end so that there could be another book. It was just like, oh, come on. Yeah. But overall, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with a 4.5. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to go with a four. Okay. I think I had a very hard time getting past how much it felt like Leigh Bardugo's books. Okay. Like, it just truly felt like a combo of Ninth House and Six of Crows. And, and, like, I know maybe people who have read Six of Crows are kind of like, okay, just because there were six people, you know, (laughs) doesn't mean it's the same. But I think, like, if you just think about it a little bit, right, people, bear with me. Like, I just feel like it felt... A little too much like Nine Thousand and Six of Crows combined for me mm-hmm. to feel like it was uber original, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, like, literally in Ninth House, somebody disappears at the end. Ah. And I was just like, okay, come on. Uh, <laughs> there's a little bit too much. And then everybody's, like, setting up for the next book to go look for them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. Um. It was just all very similar to me, which not to say it was bad. I very much enjoyed it. But I think that did kind of take me out of the story too frequently because mm-hmm. uh, I was comparing too much. So, okay. Uh, but I will, like, I, I can't give it less than a four because it was truly a good book. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I also wish it was a standalone. Yes. Yeah. I just don't like this, like, weird thing going on where. People are publishing books and not saying it's a series. Mm-hmm. Right I'm, off the bat. I'm not into it. Or not having any indication on the book. Like, at least when I accidentally started reading a series the other day, I realized that's my fault because it says book one, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, my <laughs> fault. Go. My bad. Totally on me. But if you don't give me <laughs> any indication that this is going to be a series, then I feel kind of like, ha you got me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I, I think, like you said before at the beginning, like there's something about dark academia kind of novels that it should be one. It should mm-hmm. be a standalone. I, mm-hmm. I don't need more. Even if it was 700 pages, I would have taken it, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, I have to do math. Oh, no. Uh, it's 4.25. Come on. Oh, is it? Sorry. Yes. Oh, I, I kinda, <laughs> well, usually when, you're, when you give yours, I write it down right away. But I was like thinking about what I was going to give you. <laughs> Yeah. I had the next in line syndrome going on and then I was like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Find the halfway point. Find yeah. the halfway point between yeah, yeah, them. Yeah. I guess <laughs> every week I'm learning how to do math. Whatever. Um, all right, our final overall rating then between the two of us is five two five. Four point uh, two five. Four two five, sorry. God. I, I the numbers, okay. 
Um, <clears throat> I think that's fair. I think that's a fair rating. Most people on Goodreads, I looked right after I finished, uh, rate it between a five and a four. So mm-hmm. I think we're we're right there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's fair. I agree. Uh, okay. I think that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Before we part, we'd just like to thank you for listening. There are so many different ways to spend your time these days, and we are extremely thankful that you have chosen to allocate some of your time with the two of us. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on whichever platform you are listening on, if applicable. If you have any further questions regarding the topics discussed throughout the episode, feel free to join our Hardcover Hose Discord server via the link in the show notes, or send us an email at hardcoverhosepod at gmail.com and we'll be sure to get back to you. Also, feel free to recommend books to cover in future episodes as well and before i move on we also have a tiktok we have an instagram we have a twitter we're on all the socials uh Mm -hmm. we're hardcover hose pretty much everywhere so go ahead and go look for us and i'm sure you'll find us (laughs) um as always i am sam dixon i'm sammy scorstead and this has been an episode of Hardcover Hose. If you enjoyed this listening experience and you'd like to follow up along with us next time, the next books on our to-be-read list are These Violent Delights and These Violent Ends by Chloe Gong in honor of her book coming out on the day that this episode is published. So until we meet again, enjoy your reading. <laughs>